Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. Most of us here today are familiar with the book of Exodus, of how God led his people out of the land of Egypt and to the area called the Wilderness Journey. And on Mount Sinai, we find that God spoke to Moses and gave them the Ten Commandments. And it has been something that our nation for many years until kind of recently has adopted as a guide map to live by. Some of those commandments are, you know, thou shalt have no other gods before me, don't worship graven images, thou shalt not commit adultery, don't bear false witness, and the list goes on. And, you know, as we come to the Old Testament, a lot of times we study the New Testament, and only nine of those commandments transfer over into the New Testament, all of them but the Sabbath day. But as we come to this chapter of the Bible, I want to refocus, instead of talking about the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, today I want to talk about the Ten Commandments of the New Testament. And that's what I would like to label as my sermon title today. The Ten Commandments of the New Testament. By means of introduction, we come to the book of 1 Thessalonians. We've been studying through it for the past several months. You know that the Apostle Paul is writing this letter back to the church of Thessalonica. He went to this area on a second missionary journey in Acts chapter 17. And there a church was birthed in the house of Jason. And there they come, the officials come and they assaulted his house and they had to send Paul and Silas by night away to another city. And now we find the Apostle Paul's writing back and he's concluding his epistle. Look at, at verse 26. It says, Greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. Now I've shared some of y'all about this, but I just want to share with you all. Uh, the Pheasant Ridge Memory Care Center called me recently and asked me if I would come on Wednesday mornings to play some music and have a Bible study. And if you know anything about a memory care center, you know that their minds are not quite there. They suffer from memory loss, Alzheimer's and dementia. And I walked in, I brought my harp in and my guitar, and this lady was sitting there and she said, are you going to play that for me? And I said, just for you. And she goes, I love you. <laughs> and I said, well, same to you. And as I began to tune my harp, she began to ask me the same questions. Are you going to play that for me? And I said, just for you. She said, oh, I love you. And then out of nowhere, after I shared that I was going to play it for her again, she said, can I kiss you? I said, no, ma'am, you cannot kiss me. <laughs> this past Wednesday, uh, Brother Dave and his family went with me there, and they got to meet that lady. And, and as soon as I said, no, ma'am, she began to cuss and swear. Not going to repeat what she said, but she suffered from Alzheimer's and dementia, so her mind's not always there. And so this past Wednesday, uh, she came up to me after the service. She missed it, and she kissed me right here on the shoulder. <laughs> she got her kiss. But the Bible says here, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. And if any of you try to kiss me, I'm going to vote you out the church. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. This was a symbol of greeting, and we find Paul is narrowing in his final words on his first epistle to Thessalonica. But I want to share with you, just briefly, Ten Commandments of the New Testament. As I read verses 12 through 13, I wrote down this first one. Honor those who serve God. 
Honor those who serve God. Today we are celebrating 35 years of ministry. May I take you back to the year of 1983? In April of 1983, we find a guy by the name of Bill Shiflett. The Lord put it on his heart to get this building and to start Clearbrook Baptist Church. He was here for a few years. I'm not exactly sure how long his tenor was here. But he was known for preaching through the book of Revelation. And he had a great, great presentation of end times Bible prophecy. And he loved to preach on it. Several of the folks here today, from my understanding, there are no charter members. All of them have since passed away. But there are several of the families here. I know the Lees and the Kings and the Englishes and the Elmores and, and maybe a few others have been here since 1983, around the time period that the church started. But we find that Brother Bill Shiflett, who passed away last year, came and started this church in 1983. And he was here for a period of time and uh, for reasons that, that nobody really knows. In one service, he just packed up his briefcase and walked out. And then Brother Curtis Atkins came, and he was only here for about a year, a year, give or take. And he was known for being a very great orator and a great preacher. People yeah. loved to hear him preach. But he was only here for about a year, and he parted ways. And then Brother David Wickline came and pastored, I think, for about two years. And this was during a season where, where the church was going through a rough time. And Brother David Wickline came and, and kind of got the church back in order, from my understanding. And then after him, Preacher Likens, Brother Chester Likens came. And many of you, how many of you were here underneath his tenure? Just raise your hand. All right, that's... Almost all of you. That's wonderful. Many of you are here today. Some of you were led to the Lord by him and his wife. And, and I thank God how God used him. And I was just blessed to be a part of his funeral service a few years ago. But he was the longest tenor here as a pastor. I think about 15 years, give or take. And then while he was here and while all the pastors were here... Brother English, Brother Red English, Pastor Orlando English was here teaching in Sunday school and he began to fill the role of a volunteer basis of an associate pastor underneath Pastor Likens. And then when Pastor Likens decided to step down, he said, now I'm going to step down, but you need to talk to Red English. And so Pastor English took the church for, I don't know, somewhere between seven and ten years. And that is about the time period that I came to the church. I've been here for about 11 years. For the first few years, I served as an intern helping out with the youth and, and the teenagers and juniors while I was in and out of Bible college. And I guess it was after Pastor English retired, a young man by the name of Brother Aaron McBride came, and he was only here for about six months, and, and he decided to part ways and move on. And that's when all of you fine folks got the crazy idea to ask me to be the pastor, and God bless you for it. I was a senior in Bible college, and at Crown in 2010 is when the church called and asked me if I would pray about becoming the pastor. And in, in June 2011, I officially became the pastor of the church. And it'll be seven years this summer. And today, we want to honor each of the ones who have served on staff here as the pastor. The passage here, verses 12 through 13, talk about Paul said, Hey, we need to honor those who serve God. And today we honor Brother Bill Shiflett, Brother Curtis Atkins, Brother David Wickline, a Preacher Likens, Brother English, and Brother Aaron McBride. We honor each of them who preached, labored night and day while serving 
each of us here at this church. But now look at verses 14 and 15. The second commandment I want to share with you, not, is, not just honor those who serve God, but secondly this morning of the Ten Commandments of the New Testament I want to share with you, be patient toward all men. Look at these verses. Verse 14 says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble mind, and support the weak. Be patient toward all men. Would you say patient with me on three? One, two, three. Patient. If there's one thing that I've learned the past seven years is that patience surely is a virtue. And whenever you're pastoring and dealing with people, you have to have patience. If you don't have patience, then maybe this job is not cut out for you. In fact, if you've never pastored, you don't understand how challenging it is. The past seven years have been some of the most rewarding years of my life, but it's been also some of the most challenging years of my life. Imagine being 22 years old, taking a church, and people triple your age coming to you for advice. <laughs> it should be the opposite way, shouldn't it? <laughs> I've learned to bite my tongue at times and just listen. I've learned to keep my mouth shut, and at times I should have kept my mouth shut, and I let it fly. But it says in verse 15, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Today I'm reminding us all that we are called to be men and women of patience. A lot of people say, don't pray for patience because God will give it to you. But I submit to you that it is one of the attributes of being a child of God is being a man or a woman of patience. And today, a commandment in the New Testament, he says right here, the divine oracles of God says, be patient toward all men. That means all the men and women you like and all the men and women you dislike. That means all of the little children that come on Sundays and Wednesdays in our ministries. Be patient toward all of them. But now as we move forward in this passage, look at verse 16. Two words of Scripture. A lot of people come to me and say, well, Brother Brian, I have a hard time memorizing Scripture. Well, verse 16 is very easy. It's two words. Rejoice evermore. Would you say that with me? Rejoice evermore. Can you say it again, please? Rejoice evermore. You know what this means? This means to rejoice and to rejoice at all times. To be full of cheer at all times. If there's anything I've noticed sometimes whenever you're standing before a congregation, maybe some of the singers have saw it this morning, that sometimes Baptist people can be some of the most uh, unrejoiceful kind of people in the world just by their countenance. It's okay to smile when you're at church. It's okay to shout amen, hallelujah, glory to God. And it's okay to lift up your hands and rejoice before the Lord. Far too many churches are less rejoiceful in the work of the Lord and in the God of the work. It's time that we rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, as the Apostle Paul said. That song that we sing with young people, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. We sing it with them. It's time, church, that we apply what we teach the young people to our own lives today, and we rejoice in the fact that our church has been alive and well for 35 years. And we can continue to move forward. One thing that I'm rejoiceful over is that this is a church that has stood on the Word of God. And as long as I'm here, we will continue to stand upon the Word of God. 
We may not agree on everything from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, but what we will agree on is that this book of the Bible, this book right here, is the Word of God, not the Word of man. This book is inspired by God. It is the inerrant, infallible, preserved Word of God in our English language. And today, church, we can rejoice over the fact that we have it in our language today. This book of the Bible, in fact, the book of Thessalonians and the New Testament, reveals how Jesus came and He lived a sinless, perfect life, and He died on the cross for your sins and for my sins, and He rose victoriously from the grave so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus Christ has the answers to all of life's problems. That's what the Bible says. And religion without a personal encounter with Jesus Christ will not save the soul, nor give you the peace your soul longs for. So today we rejoice that our church has advanced the gospel for 35 years and how salvation is by faith and faith alone. And today, let's move forward for 35 more years. Now check out verse 17. Here's one of the most talked about things in church and one of the most least practiced things of the church. Read verse 17 with me. One, two, three. Pray without ceasing. Let's do it again. Pray without ceasing. Commandment number one, honor those who serve God. Number two, be patient toward all men. Number three, rejoice evermore. But number four, pray without ceasing. I sorrowfully submit to you that the church is not praying without ceasing but has ceased to pray. Perhaps the reason why the old-fashioned altars are not full anymore is because the church of God has failed to get on their knees and beg God to send lost people to get saved. Perhaps the reason why churches have so much more contention and problems is because we're not laying those problems out at the feet of Jesus and saying, God, please move and give us guidance. Perhaps the reason why pastors are not preaching with the power of God and Sunday school teachers are not teaching with the power of God is because we've, we are not spending the dedicated time that we need to asking God to anoint us and empower us with His Spirit when we preach and when we teach. Perhaps the reason why singers sing without the power of God is because they're not asking God for His power. I don't know how true these statistics are, but I heard it years ago. And they say the average Christian prays three minutes a day and the average pastor prays five minutes a day. And I submit to you that at some point in all of our lives, we've been there. Imagine if you talk to your spouse for three to five minutes a day. How long would you remain married? <laughs> Maybe not too long. But I'm thankful today that God is not willing to divorce us when we cease to talk to Him. I'm thankful today that God will still listen to us even when we pray and talk to Him just for a few minutes of the day. It's time, church, that we get on our knees and we beg God to send revival. It's time that we ask God, God, send heaven to earth again and move in our nation. The only hope of America is Jesus Christ. <laughs> the, the only hope of America is not found in the Oval Office. It was found on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago and right here in the Word of God. Pray without ceasing. Rejoice evermore. Be patient toward all men. Honor those who serve God. 
But now I want to share with you verse 18. It says, in everything give thanks. Would you say give thanks with me on three? One, two, three. Give thanks. Number three, I wrote down, in everything give thanks. We live in an age where we are only thankful on Thanksgiving Day. But the Bible says, in everything give thanks. Our faith will soar with altitude when we are full of gratitude. Our faith will soar with altitude when we are full of gratitude. And far too many Christians are so ungrateful for what God has given them. We say, God, I need a nicer car. This car is just not good enough for me anymore. God, I need a, I need a nicer house because this house just isn't good enough for me. God, I need a better job because this salary just ain't cutting it. God, I need this and God, I need that. Perhaps if we were to say, God, thank you for the house. God, thank you for the car. God, thank you for the job. God, thank you for the clothes that I have and the food that you've provided for me. Maybe God would give us a little bit more. Maybe God would give us something that's a little bit better. Maybe if we're thankful for, for the beans and the cornbread, God will give us the filet mignon. <laughs> or maybe if we're thankful for the McDonald's, God will give us the Chipotle. Uh, yes, yes. If you don't know what Chipotle is, well, the altar's open, and you can come and get right with God. <laughs> In everything, give thanks, pray without ceasing, rejoice evermore, be patient toward all men, honor those who serve God. And number six, check it out now. It says, quench not the spirit. Several years ago when I was in high school, I was, I was able to work as a camp counselor at Camp Bethel over in Troutville. And I was partners, another counselor and I were overseeing the guys, and, and we decided we're going to build a big fire for, for, the, for the young people out in the woods because we had to take one night and go camp out in the woods. So we got all of our tents and we got all our supplies and we carried all the wood. And, and I'm telling you one thing, that fire got up to my eyes. That fire was so high. And I'll never forget the little kid who came up. He was just a little boy. Uh, he was wearing glasses. He's probably like five or seven years old. He walked up to that fire and he said, burn, baby, burn. Burn, baby, burn. <laughs> but eventually we had to take water and we had to put the fire out. And I say that to say this, that the word quench... It literally means if you take water and you pour it over a fire to make it stop burning. And here, that's all it's simply saying is quench not the Spirit. That means when the Spirit of God begins to move in your life, in our life, in our church's life, let's not take water and put on that flame. Far too many ministries are putting out the flame of God instead of allowing the flame of God to spread. Look at verse 20. The seventh commandment is despise not prophesyings. When I was in high school, I, I was attending Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And a lady from more of a charismatic church, one of the teachers got up and started talking about how when she was at her church, she looked up on the stage and she saw Jesus standing on the stage with a band. I was like, well, that's pretty interesting. Well, I don't know what she was eating, drinking, or smoking that day, but I'm sure she didn't see what she thought she saw. Anyways, I say that to say this, that there's a lot of people today who misrender the word prophecy 
in the New Testament. You see, you have foretelling like the old people did in the Old Testament. They foretold a future. But then you have foretelling with I am doing right now. I'm just preaching the word of God. And that's what I believe this, this word is referring to. It's referring to from right here in our age, the New Testament age, speaking of the foretelling and going back to the Old Testament saying the foretelling. So in here it says despise not prophesies. So we should not despise the Old Testament prophecies about Jesus, about the second coming, about all that stuff. And we should not despise when somebody stands up and they actually preach the word of God. Now, if somebody is standing up and they're not preaching the word of God, well, then it's okay to despise that, okay? But if somebody is preaching the word of God as it says and as it is, why despise that? Unfortunately, we've raised a generation of people who despise not just the word of God, but they despise it when people share the word of God. And if anybody ought not to despise his word, it's the church. Notice verse 21. We've looked at seven of these commandments so far. Now I want to share with you the eighth one. Prove all things. Would you say those three words with me on three? One, two, three. Prove all things. This word prove, it means to test. Have you ever noticed, I heard this the other day, that whenever a test is given, the teacher is always silent. And sometimes when God puts us through a test, we can't hear him speak. But here the Bible says prove all things. And the word prove, it simply means to test. And what I believe it's referring to here is that when somebody stands up and preaches the word of God, we need to prove them and we need to test them. We need to check out what they say with the word of God. Don't just believe everything that I say. Don't just believe everything you hear Joel Osteen say on TV. Don't just believe everything you hear Joyce Meyer say on the, on the national, on the Trinity Broadcasting Network. Listen, take what you hear and line it up with the word of God and test it. Amen. Prove it. To be true. And that's one of the commandments in the New Testament. Prove all things. Even, here's the hymnal. Even when we open up the hymnal to sing. I'm talking about the hymnal here. When we open up the hymnal to sing, and it says, Jesus loves the little children, all the little children of the world. Red, yellow, black, and white, they are prescient in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Whenever we come to a song in this book right here, this hymnal, we need to test it. We need to prove it to see, hey, do the lyrics match up with the theology found in the Word of God? Prove all things. But then it goes on to say, hold fast to that which is good. That means when you've tested something and you've found it to be good, hold on to it. When there is a good song, like they played earlier, Are You Washed in the Blood? That's a great song. So let's hold on to that song and let's move forward with it. We have a good church here. So let's hold on to what we have and move forward and look to the next 35 years. You know, churches are like people. I say this respectfully, but I say it truthfully. Churches were never designed to last forever. People were not designed to last forever. A person is born... And the day we are born, we're living to die. And sometimes we get in our minds that churches are, are supposed to last for all eternity. But did you know every single church that's mentioned from the book of Matthew all the way to Revelation is no longer in existence today? Churches are called to give birth to other churches. Just like how the Bible says, 
A man shall leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife. They shall be one flesh and be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. So just as God has called us as human beings to repopulate the earth, God is calling the church to start and plant other churches. And he goes on to say in verse 22, the final one. It says, abstain from all appearance of evil. When you begin to start reading the characters in church history, such as Charles Wesley and George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards and all these guys during the Great Awakenings, what you find out is that when they experienced revival and a spiritual awakening, they didn't want to do anything that caused another brother or sister to stumble in their walk. And they didn't want to leave any room for somebody to, to point out something and say, hey, are you really a child of God? And that's why when you study their lives, they decided, hey, I'm not going to do any kind of drinking. I'm not going to do any kind of dancing. I'm not going to do anything that's going to affect any other believer or any other person to draw them away. Now, I'm not saying you need to set standards up in your lives like some of those of yesterday, but all I'm saying is this, is that if it appears to be evil, don't associate with it. These, my dear friends, are the Ten Commandments of the New Testament. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Hold fast to that which is good. Prove all things. Despise not prophesying. Quench not the spirit, in everything give thanks, pray without ceasing, rejoice evermore, be patient toward all men, and honor those who serve God. Today we are celebrating 35 years of ministry. But I have a question. Are you willing to do what it takes to make sure we have 35 years more of ministry? Now, obviously, there's several of you here today. In 35 years, more than likely, you'll probably be in eternity. And perhaps I will be too. But there's a good many folks here today that have great possibility and chances of being alive for the next 35 years. Are you willing to make sure this church continues to advance the gospel and reach people for Jesus Christ? Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.